and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. I was kind of leaning back there. I know. What did you think was going to happen? I, I know. I, like, it just sort of snuck up on me. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Okay. I got I to gotta get a new car. I mean, not new, new. Mm. Not, you know. Daddy Warbucks here. Yeah. We, this, is, this is Battleship Pretension. We don't have, we don't have slash film cast money. <laughs> we're, not, we're not film spotting over here. <laughs> Dave took his private jet over to Seattle and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, lives yeah. there now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Adam from Film Spotting has bought Range Rovers for each of his 17 kids. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> that he knows of. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, nah, my car, my car's running fine. Mm-hmm. And if I were living in another state, I could probably keep driving it for a while. But I failed the smog test. And I know. California isn't the only place that has emissions testing, right. but uh, um, I failed the smog test. It's going to be pricey. It's going to be probably half or more than half of what the car is worth at this point to get it fixed. Yeah. Plus, I recently spent a few hundred dollars fixing an overheating problem and getting the air conditioning working again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needs new speakers and a new stereo. It's just like I could keep driving this thing for a long time if I were to put a lot of money into it, yeah. but... It's not worth that much money right now. So I'm kind of, this is where my mind's at right now. Uh, I've always sort of bought cars like out of, or, or like gone with my with my dad, you know, earlier in my life, uh, get cars out of, you know, want ads or mm-hmm. this last one I got, I got off uh, uh, Craigslist. I've never gone to a dealership and like set up a payment arrangement, like financed yeah. a car. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good for my credit to actually finally have some lines of credit. Uh, it will also, and this is, uh, it'll sound like a joke. It isn't. Uh-huh. It will be good for your self-esteem. I, there, there are not a whole lot of things that I've done in my life that, has, that have caused me to feel adult. Uh-huh. Going and getting, like, my first car on my own, Jen and I went and we, you know, picked out the car, worked out a payment plan with the dealership like we did the whole thing and then just like and we made like a practical choice mm-hmm. and it, and afterwards just like that's uh that's a pretty adult thing i i i, I gauge based on how bored i would have been 15 20 years ago and that <laughs> would have bored me see i gauge adult stuff based on would my 14 year old self think i was a loser or a sellout for doing this <laughs> and so like Three or four times a year, I go on, like, weekend wine tasting trips with my girlfriend, and I love it. I look forward Mm. to it so much. We got one coming up uh, in just a few weeks here. Uh, I'm really excited for it. But it it is kind of like it's such an adult thing to do. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, You don't drink, so obviously you don't have the wine tasting. No, but I do open my mailbox and be like, hey, new Newsweek. (laughs) So we've all got our things. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, But that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about, the only thing I have wanted to talk about for, at this point, the past 72 hours uh, as of recording, is the Avengers. Okay. And I wa- okay. If you are just tuning in, because I feel like, again, I have to defend myself. Not just tuning in at this point in the podcast. It'd be weird to just jump to yeah, a few yeah, minutes yeah. into the podcast. I mean, if, if this is, say, the first episode you ever listened to, um, I think I I am not like a superhero nut right about movies i'm not dismissive of them either i see some of them i judge them on their own merits uh we'll come back to that in a moment not with you but with others go ahead okay um so i want to 
make it clear that I am not coming from a pro. Mar- I've read very few comic books in my life. Mm-hmm. Some sort of like I'm not coming from some sort of like fanboy pro Marvel, uh, you know, pro superhero point of view. You are I, not predisposed to love this film. Exactly. If you look, my you know my my top ten list of last year, you can go find. It'll give me. It'll give you an idea of what kind of films I normally like. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, so I want to make sure that that's all on the table when I say that the Avengers is fucking awesome. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And I have not been a huge fan of uh, the Marvel films Mm -hmm. Uh, i like the first iron man i believe it made my top 10 of that year because it was such a it was so refreshing um specifically with its its lead character um and uh but then i saw you know incredible hulk and i i I liked iron man too and uh it was fine and i thought thor was fine i wanted to like captain america more so just none of them really blew me away they always had some pretty good acting and good character stuff and then kind of fumbled the action the Avengers comes along and it just does a great job and just it's con- it's the most consistent of the films between the dialogue scenes and the action scenes it it, it seems like it's the same characters involved in both and uh mm. and it's just I've said this I've said this before that uh but not very often I had the same response to it as I would like as I did with like the Incredibles I just found myself smiling it was just so just such a vibrant, uh, you know, living experience, and uh, and I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, um, favorite movie of the year so far. Mine too. Mine too. But uh, here's the thing: I, I I loved it so much, despite the fact that um, I said in my review of the film that it is. If you look at my my favorite superhero movies of this like la- last ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, which are in no particular order, The Dark Knight, uh, X2, and Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said in my review, I think The Avengers has more flaws than any of those, but I love it more than any of those. Uh, I know some of those you might like more than The Avengers. Cause I think I like The Avengers more than, than all of those, but I okay. do like Batman Begins quite right. a bit. Um, uh, but basically, what I'm trying to get at is something... This is just our sort of intro uh, discussion. Um, that I think will be relatable to most movie geeks, not just those who have to write reviews, but my having to write reviews in the, over the past year or so is what's really got me thinking about this. Especially a movie like The Avengers, which is a big thing that I have a whole lot of thoughts on, you know? Um, but also stuff from the past year like Take Shelter and Tree of Life, you know, uh, House of Pleasures was, you know, The Mill and the Cross, just like movies that are really rich. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have all my opinions on them, but I kind of have to have, like almost bullet points at the ready. Like, I, I feel like there are things... I mean, I, I don't have the time, uh, nor do I think the audience for 10,000-word reviews for movies that I could totally write 10,000 words about. Oh, no question. <laughs> um, and so, like, do you... Th- w- when you have a movie that you're maybe, uh, like, in the tank for, or, like, proselytizing for at a certain time, there's, like, mm-hmm. a, you know... Um, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to think... I mean, Take Shelter was definitely a big one for me last year. I was, like, trying to get people, tell people to go see it. And, like, I sort of had my my talking points or my, my tight five, you know, yeah, yeah. On, on on the movie. And I just uh, wondered, Tyler and maybe the listeners at home, is this something you find yourself doing? Like, when you have a movie that you're trying to get people to, to tell people about? Um, what I will sometimes, if if it's just, like, 
if it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to somebody out in life for maybe three minutes. Mm-hmm. I figure okay, I will address any concern they might have about it. Like for example, Moneyball, which as we know and as you have pointed out, I can talk at length about. Um, that one, it's just like okay, Jonah Hill. That's probably a concern that they have. So I will single him out and say he's very good. Brad Pitt. Some people, for some reason, seem to think that because he's, you know, good-looking guy, a movie star, that he is not that great of an actor. And I say, hmm. great performance, maybe one of the best of his, uh, maybe the best of his career. Uh, no, you don't need to follow baseball in order to like it. Um, Do you think we're going to have to be making the same argument about Chris Hemsworth at some point? Like, because I think this guy's, I think he's good. I think he is good. But and he looks even more so than Brad Pitt, like someone who would not be a good actor. <laughs> you know what I mean? He does, but he doesn't look uh he doesn't look like just a just a meathead, you know? He's he's a big guy, mm-hmm. but I think that he basically was introduced to the movie going public as the lead character of a of a huge film and rose to that challenge, I think. Yeah, he he was really good in Thor. I think people just in in a difficult type of role Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think people will probably give him the benefit of the doubt, and I thought he was good in Cabin in the Woods as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but uh, but as far uh, as when I write a review, I, I as you can tell from the length of some of my reviews, I, I usually just go in and be like, "Let's see what happens," and <laughs> and I uh, I have to outline, have to. Oh man, um, I'll think about it a little bit going into it. Just uh, what my opinion about this that and the other but when i sit down to write it's just okay and that's why my reviews i especially have to outline if i really loved or really hated a film if i like uh if i don't feel passionately enough about a film like this thing's not going to crack 800 words anyway then i'll maybe then maybe i'll just sit down and write it uh but if it's a film i love or hate it's like this is worth my time if it's a totally middle of the road film it's just like I've forgotten you already. Why on earth would I devote time and energy to convincing um, other people that you're not worth seeing? But I'm, I actually think that's an interesting point that you bring up to go back to your like um, uh, predicting people's problems with a movie. And I think, excuse me, I think that's something that I have actually been trying not to do mm-hmm. lately because I don't think it's fun. And I don't think that, I guess maybe I'm at a point where like, if someone's not interested, you know, maybe it's not their cup of tea, you know, my, it depends on who I'm talking to. If it's a movie person, I'll talk to them the way I would, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, uh, if it's my mom or people who don't like movies, then I will usually, you know, what I'm saying is why, uh, why do you, this is, I don't want this to sound elitist, but why do you want to try so hard to convince them? Well, because then maybe they'll see that movie and then recognize how right I am about everything. Obviously. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? Uh, that's actually, I think, kind of. I mean, you're being facetious, but uh, or, or am or, I tongue in cheek about? The... I've devoted a whole other podcast trying to reach out to uh, <laughs> to an audience that doesn't like movies. Okay, uh, and maybe that's how, uh, as elitist as it kind of sounds, uh, how we should be thinking about um, our roles or just the duty of people who love good art. Because there's a way to do it. Uh, this conversation went in a way I didn't anticipate, and I like it. There's a way to do that that isn't condescending, and your show, more than one lesson, is not condescending. Thank you. You you care about the art, and you care about the person you're trying to convince. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think maybe that's something we as critics and film uh, buffs and film snobs who might think make up most of our 
audience should uh uh maybe take out into the world like maybe you should spread the good news a good word <laughs> as it were about the films that you love but uh you know don't do it in a way that is um strident or condescending and i think you know uh i did do an episode about uh of more than one lesson about the movie the prestige with the companion film barton fink and uh, i had jason eakin on as a guest i did not yet have a co-host and that was you know uh oh, those are the days I, this guy tell, josh tell me about it you, but uh jason and i can be a little uh you know verbose at times and so we kind of swirled around the topic but ultimately we we wound up recognizing something that i don't think a lot of our uh, fellow movie nerds and fellow critics not a lot of them but some of them maybe don't realize and at times i forget which is i mean much as we would like to say that art is purely about somebody's expression they are expressing it to somebody like there is there. I think there is such a thing as being self-indulgent. I'm not saying pander, but recognize that this is about, you know, communication isn't communication if you are not communicating to somebody. And why are you communicating something to them? Probably because you care about them or at the very least you care about their opinion on a certain issue so much so that you may want to sway them. It's even even films that uh, point a finger at the audience. It's saying, I care enough about you to correct you, as opposed to, you know, films that we have uh, that we have said are cynical by just saying, look, you're an idiot and uh, you want shit and we're going to give it to you. You know what I mean? Like that's I don't remember who it was, but just uh, oh, it was I think it was Dennis Miller who said, like, can you imagine anything more insulting uh, than to have absolutely no expectation for another person? And uh, I, I feel like it's it's kind of that. Like we yeah. we need to recognize that as critics, we are an audience representative, but we also have to realize the audience is involved. It's all part of uh, it's all part of the process. I like that. All right. Well, we have a topic, and we're going to get into it. And you know what? It's going to be it's going to be juicy, you guys. You, it's we're, we're going to do some ads here, and it's going to be totally worth it mm-hmm. because uh, I know. I mean, people. People write us all the time. They're calling for blood. They want you and me to disagree. Yeah. And um, speaking of your other show, you said something recently that uh, on, on your other show, I was listening to it, um, and in the entire time that I have known you and we have talked about movies, I have never disagreed with you so much about anything you've said. There's got to be something. No, Come on. I'm telling you, I had a visceral reaction. Um also, it's a movie that I, neither one of us really likes. I know. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I have no idea, by the way. Like, you mentioned that was in my Tree of Life episode, right? Yeah. But I have no idea how I got there. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking either. back. I'm like, well, I'm not going to listen to this thing. Um, it's, not, well, it's not important. But okay, so that's the tease for the, for the topic. Yeah. Now, you have some podcast business. We have podcast business, David, uh, but have, I'm I mean, going to say it. You have it in front of you. So, um, okay, yeah, there's a lot of things that we need to... Uh, Get out, get out of the way. We got three things. That's a lot. Um, the first thing, of course, uh, tweakedaudio.com. Oh, We've mentioned go. it before. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, a slight uh, difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did say you could go to tweakedaudio.com, pick out what you want, enter a promo code. You no longer have to do that. 
you can go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Yes, or slash battleship. Well, we're all, or we'll slash also battleship. You there. But yeah, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, which is what the offer code was before. Right. And so you go in, and it's like the code has already been put in. Yeah. So you'll notice that the prices are, are pretty low. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to enter any promo code. That is our official tweaked audio page. Yeah, it's a good-looking page. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you all, you already get the discounts, which are a third off of the uh, right. uh, of the list price or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, how much do they pay for shipping? Is it free shipping? It's free shipping. It is free shipping. <laughs> so, um, from home, I was like, why are you asking? Oh, he's, it's probably free. That's why he's mentioning it. Um, so, yeah, and, and a, a, a portion of each sale does go to us. And I do want to say, like, when we started doing the, the tweaked audio uh, promos, I really expected the first two weeks to yield some money, and then I expected it to drop off when people are like, okay, I'm, I've grown tired of this. Um, not of the earbuds. Not of the earbuds. It's impossible to grow tired of those. But, and and um, they're going to last you, too, is the thing. No question. Um, so, but the thing is, it has been pretty consistent uh, from week to week, and so... And I have no doubt that while people definitely want quality earbuds in this world, if nothing mm-hmm. else, um, I, I do know that you're probably doing it as a way to support us, and we do appreciate that a great deal. Sure. But also, the, the quality of the product does speak for itself. I mean, yes. But uh, yeah, um, Mother's Day is right, uh, coming right up. Yeah. Get to, you get your mother some fashionable earbuds. Get Tell her, her about uh, Battleship Pretension yeah. and say, here's how you can listen. Hopefully, she has an iPod as well. Yeah. So, or a Zoom. I don't think we're on. I don't think we're available on Zoom. I don't think they make them anymore. Actually, like Saturns. Some they people still really. That's something I learned while car shopping recently. <laughs> huh? <laughs> there hasn't been a new Saturn since two thousand nine. Yeah, uh, Suzuki is not that interested in making cars anymore. Uh, which I found out after I bought my Suzuki and needed to get it repaired. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, to, to be clear, Saturn didn't lose interest. It's not like they're doing other things with their time. Saturn doesn't exist anymore, is what I'm saying. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's very interesting. That's kind of, un- that's kind of uh, sad. Do you know what? Okay, so they, they, their last car rolled off the line in early October 2009. Mm-hmm. That was a little rhyme there. Uh, do you know what day uh, Saturn officially ceased to exist? What's Halloween it? 2010. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, tweet.io.com slash pretension. The second, okay, we do have another sponsor, okay, and I have something that I'm going to read here. I've not done this before, so I apologize. I'm going to say I apologize to our sponsor, because I might actually start making jokes about it throughout. <laughs> so, but I'll, uh, just if nothing else in my tone. Uh, okay, so our sponsor is a, an independent film called Sleep Debt. That's okay. debt, D-E-B-T. Like, uh, David, you are indebted to me for uh, coming here week to uh, week after week. All right, so here we go. What is Sleep Dead about? I'll tell you, okay. which is to say I, I will read it because I've not seen the film. Uh, Sleep Dead is a low-budget feature in the vein of classic t- uh, Twilight Zone episodes when a disturbed man is visited by vi- – Vivid dreams, which turn out to be another person's consciousness, he must discover his connection with the stranger before it is too late for them both. Sleep Dead is available at sleepdebtmovie.com, and it is only ten dollars. Wow! That's... There is there is a banner ad on the website that you can click on to get is there. Is that a banner? 
Officially, yes, but when I think of banner, I think of something horizontal. Exactly. It's off-putting to me. So it's but on if, the right side of the screen. It's on the right side of the screen, okay. but apparently it's called a banner ad, and I don't like saying it. Yeah, let's it just call feels it an ad. Like an ad. Yeah. An ad on the right side. Yes. Okay. I feel dirty saying banner ad. Yeah, I feel it's, like not, I'm it's not right. Uh, and the last thing is, um, so for uh, reasons that uh, we don't necessarily need to go into, uh, we are, we've put a, a survey in the field. Oh, right. To figure out uh, some of the demographics of our listeners and readers. We've moved on from the sleep debt here. This is podcast business. No- this is, this is a different thing. Okay. So, uh, so what we need you to do is there will be a button on the website that just says survey. You click on it. It costs no money. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to register. It takes maybe, what, 40 seconds? Yeah, it's surprisingly brief. And it just you just go through and say, you know, it asks... Age, gender, um, I think uh, politics, uh, religion, religion hours work. It just lets us know who you are and who our uh, audience is. And so we really – we're going to be doing this probably for the next uh, two or three weeks yeah. because I really want to get a, a sense of of, uh, of who you guys are. And so there will yeah. be a button that says I mean, survey on we the know website. That you guys are people who have great taste in movies and love earbuds. Quality earbuds. Right. Uh, but, yeah, we'd like to know a little more about you. And we already knew that you were educated. What we didn't know is how many of you are well-educated, because <laughs> I've been looking at the results so far. <laughs> so, uh, well done, everybody. All right. All right. I, I hope my tease was enough to get people through that, but I think your uh, read actually was enough to entertain people. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, re- I'll read it next week. Okay. It sounds fun. Uh, Maybe I'll have him. It's fine. Okay. Um Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. You talked... I'm going to talk for a little bit. This is going to demonize me, isn't it? No. All right. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Possibly. I might be a little mean, but not too mean. All right. Within the realm of respect, I'm going to be mean, if that makes sense. <laughs> I doubt you immediately. <laughs> um, so, you were, yeah, it was your episode on Tree of Life. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't remember how you got there. I was at... I was at work on a Saturday, so I was already predisposed oh. to uh, <laughs> not uh, not agreeing with you. But you, at some point, for some reason, compared the film to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the uh, the David Fincher's version specifically. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And you said this thing that only an insane person could say. Like, to the point where I almost insisted, I almost was going to insist that you and I, before we record this episode, both rewatch the girl with the dragon tattoo because we clearly saw a different film Mm -hmm. we both didn't love it uh i would uh you know i would give it a green splattered tomato on rotten tomatoes (laughs) as opposed to a a a fresh plump red one um (laughs) what tomatoes should be plump i know but you're making me hungry (laughs) um and you said something about how the way that lisbeth is uh depicted in the film is that i i feel so stupid saying it because it's so wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> that she can do no wrong and that she has and this is the part that uh, uh, that you said she, I, I think a pure spirit mm-hmm. uh, you need to t- tell me what you're talking about because that is insane okay that is the opposite of of, of who lisbeth is okay well, there's nothing more respectful than saying that somebody's insane. So, uh, <laughs> I 
I want to be respectful, but your face is stupid. Yeah, you can say whatever you want about me and my point of view. No, no, it's 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 perfectly fine because I can understand because uh, we we email back and forth about this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we have discussed this sort of on the show before. Um, uh, maybe probably, like two months ago, I forgot when we were discussing uh, other films that uh, we didn't particularly care for that were uh-huh. uh, you know critically hailed. Um, okay, I don't remember dis- that. Yeah, and so. But we did not discuss it as right. uh, specifically because we had to get to other things as well. And we do this time as well, but it's part of a larger topic. Um, but this might end up taking up a big chunk of it. Yeah, which is fine. Okay. Um, because I'm more prepared to talk about this than any of this other stuff. Okay. So, um, okay. So I- I'm not even really sure. I wish that I had known. I wish that I knew how I got into that because <laughs> that's really. But that, no, because not, we're not talking about the Tree of Life. We're talking about your take your okay. read on Lisbeth as played by Rooney Mara as directed by David Fincher. Okay. I would say that you and I because your 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 argument in the email if I can if I can paraphrase it is that oh, spoilers. She, uh, right? I was going to speak in uh, okay. gen, okay. general okay. Uh, general Good. no spoilers. She does things that are illegal. Right? She and, does things that are illegal, yes. And vengeful and torturous. It, is yeah, that, she does, is things, that she does things that are immoral, sadistic, okay, uh, unhinged, okay, insane. She refers to herself as insane. Mm-hmm. She, all these are things that she does in the movie, right? Okay. So far, you're making my point very well. Okay. So, uh, in spite of the, f- I, I think that this film, because it's David Fincher, has a pedigree. That the material does not. If was it uh, Stieg Larsson? I think so. Is that how you, say? how you say it? Um, uh, my wife has read all three books, loves them. Uh, they are very well respected books, um, and from what I hear, they're very well written, and that's fine. But the very nature of them is very pulpy, um, and the character of you said Lisbeth. Is it Lisbeth or Lisbeth? In the movie, they pronounce it Lisbeth Salander. Okay. Um, that character is not of this world. She is of a different world. She is of movie world. She, She's practically – hang on. Okay. You called me insane. Allow okay. me to be not insane for a moment um, or try not to sound insane. Um, there is – okay – there is movie logic and there's life logic. Now, the movies I tend to like the most, there's a lot of overlap between mm-hmm. the two. But then you run across movies in which the main character sort of – they have their own code. Okay, An example, Omar from The Wire. Okay, man, it's got to have a code. Yes, I did just watch that Law & Order community. And it was, I didn't watch that. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, you got to see it. That's I think I you'll hear. enjoy it. Um, so, <laughs> so okay. So Omar, uh, I just came up with that, by the way. And what I would say is, pretty much everybody, much like in the Wire, pretty much everybody in Girl with Dragon Tattoo is in some way horrendously immoral, with the exception of Daniel Craig. But even he's not a pure character, and that's fine. That's to the film's credit, by the way. So in this 
I believe the other day I thought of it in this way. In this world of sadistic monsters, mm-hmm. somebody who has a code of ethics, like an Omar, who has a specific set of rules, like also a Hannibal Lecter, which I know sounds weird, um, who, has, who does all kinds of terrible things and, and is considered a villain. But if you look over the course of what the character has become, he is not really that much of a villain. He's more of a, a delightful anti, uh, anti-hero. And I remember the way Ebert uh, described him was he's a character merely acting in his nature, as opposed to, say, the corrupt cops and the corrupt psychiatrist that he runs across. We condemn them. Mm-hmm. Much as we condemn, say, a Jack Nicholson in The Departed, whereas we have specific contempt for a Matt Damon in The Departed, for the psychiatrist in uh, in Silence of the Lambs and uh, Red Dragon, um, or Manhunter, uh, and then in in uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, there are I won't I won't say who, but there are characters that do things so terrible, and they are in their right mind. An argument can be made that Elizabeth Salander is insane. If she's insane, she can't be held responsible morally for her actions. And thus, she is really, in a way, I think I said this to you in the email, she is like a, a, sadistic, a sadistic Elwood P. Dowd from Harvey. Mm-hmm. Okay? Elwood P. Dowd is a, he is an alcoholic. There is no question about it. But because because he has just his own way of looking at things, it's acceptable to us. We never say he's an alcoholic. We just think, we accept him on the level in which uh, he sees himself and he sees the world because he seems to exist on a different plane. Lisbeth Salander, Lisbeth Salander, sorry. Um, I don't want to offend any people of that nationality that I forget. Uh, <laughs> so, Norwegian? I think they're Swedish. Okay, Swedish? Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> she, she is basically a superhero. She might as well be Rorschach from The Watchmen. No, I'm sorry, just Watchmen. And I do recognize that Rorschach is... Rorschach is not someone you should be rooting for either. No. But in the logic, in a, in a, in a land of monsters, whoever has a line like, for example, with Rorschach, I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. That is pretty much an applause line. She is Frank Castle the Punisher. Uh-huh. She is whatever the character's name is from Death Wish. She is, uh, she's just, she's these types of characters, which nobody wants. Well, you and I would, we would watch Punisher and Punisher Warzone and say, that's horrendous. Uh, Punisher Warzone specifically. But as you know, I had a huge problem with, um, uh, Punisher with, uh, Thomas Jane specifically. Yeah. I can spoil the end of that movie, right? Sure. Okay. Not me. When he shoots John Travolta, shoots John Travolta, chains him to a car, blows up the car, the flames spread to John Travolta, and then he, uh, John Travolta, screams as he is burned alive. Mm-hmm. Now I watch that and I say that is terrible. That is horrendously immoral, and uh, maybe even amoral. Now that I think about it. And so when I say that Lisbeth Salander is a pure spirit and what was the other thing I said? You said she can do no wrong. She can do no wrong. She is in the, in the instances 
that we uh, – I'm trying to think – okay, and trying to be as vague as possible. She takes re- – okay, she takes revenge on mm-hmm. somebody. Maybe we should just say at this point for the rest of the episode – Spoilers? Spoilers for the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Just let's just say it right now. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. Turn off the episode and you know, if okay. you want to be part of the uh, discussion, watch it. But I think this discussion is uh is gonna end up being about an important enough stuff outside of just this uh, okay. single film that it's worth us talking about. Thank you for freeing me, David. Okay. So a guy rapes her. Uh, uh-huh. uh, specifically a guy that is that is supposed to to a certain extent care for her. So there's a betrayal there. And the way in which he rapes her is so, I mean, sadistic is, is the word for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just the fact that he has power over her, even before he does that, um, it's just, and he's, he's a larger man and she's a pretty small girl. And so everything about it is just so monstrous. Um, and that's a word that I keep returning to. Um, so then she takes, all manner of revenge on him. And it's pretty rough. I mean, she, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, she doesn't carve, she tattoos, uh, rather, uh, brutally tattoos. I am a rapist or something on his chest. Uh, yeah. But that's, like not, that. that's not the first thing she does. She does other things. No, the most important thing, she shoves a metal rod yeah. up his anus yeah. and then kicks it with her boot. Yeah. So she rapes him essentially. Yeah. Um, which is bad. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. You're making my point again. If the unless the film, and this is what this when I say movie logic, this is what I'm talking about. And I'm I'm reluctant to say this. We take our cues from the filmmaker, who in a film like this, they take their cues from the characters. There are plenty of movies that talk about how wrong revenge is. This isn't one of them. There are characters who uh, exact revenge on somebody and then come to regret it. There, there are characters who exact revenge on somebody and then somebody else mentions, uh, you shouldn't have done that. I'm paraphrasing. That doesn't often get said. But uh, this is not one of them. She never, for a moment, possibly because she's insane, she never regrets it. And in fact, when she, when she confronts the guy again... She asserts once again her superherodom. Not only can, for example, this moment's in the trailer, so, uh, well, we're doing spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, when Daniel Craig gives her a code or a number or something like that and then says, Do you want to write it down? And she just points to her head and says, No, I got it. And it's like, Hey, that's, and that's supposed to be in a moment of like, Wow, she operates on a whole, on a whole other level. And then when she shows, when she can get any information, she's like this uh, amazing researcher. It's got to be a more badass way to say that. Uh, she can get any information, and she can keep tabs on what uh, the rapist has been doing. And so she sort of torments torments him. And the scene is played – and this is – this might even be to Fincher's credit. It is played from her perspective. There is no regret. There is no judgment. There is only glee. You and I can you and I can absolutely condemn that. The question then is does the film condemn it? And I <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I have to cut you off. Now. And I don't think it does. You uh, you are 
this is disheartening to me that you have this point of view okay. because this is the uh, point of view of I mean this is a you this is the same argument we have with the Hunger Games you no which we never had on uh, on air by the way yeah but do we uh, want to say spoilers for Hunger no, Games no no because okay. that's too recent um but I don't want to okay I'm going to talk about Dragon Tattoo specifically and then we'll go maybe hopefully go on to a larger topic mm-hmm. but. Uh, I think there's my take on your point of view is based. I think there's a couple of things maybe about your read of the film, or it could be both of these things. Um, I think you are uh, underestimating the film being uh, obtuse, maybe even arrogant about the film because of uh, its pedigree or its, uh, What's the word? I'm where it's where it came from. Uh, I don't want to say that I use the word pulpy. I don't mean to say that as a negative. But, um, but I also think what's possible here, and this is a specifically Dragon Tattoo discussion, is that you don't know anyone like Lisbeth. You uh, there's a difference between. I mean, there's there's a lot of area between sane and insane. Uh, uh, I mean. Uh, so when when she is like, I've got it up here, uh, or she can do all this stuff, or she doesn't feel uh, these remorse, she's nearly autistic. She has like some sort of severe Asperger's and is nearly autistic. Right. And maybe because I have known at least one person, probably more people, with Asperger's, and I recognize those things in it, that's why I see it as such a great, shaded, well-rounded portrayal of a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I, I mean, and, but I think that go, goes back to you not giving the film uh, uh, enough credit, not 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 engaging it in the. And I still, I, I, I sound like I love this film. I don't, but um, if for most of its runtime, I think it does engage the audience on a very uh, in, uh, intelligent uh, level. And you're not engaging it on the level that it's asking you to when you. Uh, say these these uh, really kind of insultingly reductive statements about about this character and about the film to 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 say that uh, and this will get us into the bigger topic mm-hmm. to say that a film has to have a character or have someone uh, declare or, or or comment on whether or not someone should feel bad for a thing that happened in the film that is not the way that people who have been watching films as seriously and for as long as you and I have should be thinking about and that is and that is perhaps the most obvious way I'm thinking in terms of Mystic River which no film should necessarily want to be Uh but um, because that there is there is an intangible quality to um, to what we're talking about because and I hope the I know you'll know what I'm talking about and not to insult the listener, but you and I have a shorthand and we've seen a lot of the same movies and we've lived together. So when I say that there can be, there can be a tone to a film that I don't like using the word condemn. I used it earlier and I regretted it almost immediately. Um, and the fact that you'd like jumped up immediately, Uh I was just like, ah, I knew, I knew that's not the word I should have used, but, um, there can be a tone of, I can't even think of the word like almost melancholy or or introspection or something like that that I think the film doesn't have in regards to her. But if the film is 
presenting things from, as you say, uh, her point of view, the point of view of someone who has a mental illness that al- does not allow her to be remorseful, mm-hmm. then all it has to do for a smart, trusting, thoughtful audience, it doesn't have to condemn it. It just has, it has to simply not condone it. And it doesn't condone it. Uh, I, I, I think... And I think it does. The... Then you are a then you are a sadist of some sort. If well, you, I'm not arguing that. If you can watch that torture scene and find that uh, as something to applaud, uh, I mean, and then the other part where I think it hands it up to you is, uh, but then again, if you're watching it with your point of view, I see I, I'm suddenly seeing it the other way. At the end, and again, this is spoilers. Um, after uh, the killer, I forget his name. Um, Stellan Skarsgård right. has oh, um, knocked out. <laughs> like, we didn't need to say that. <laughs> uh, no, we already said spoilers. I guess so. Um, uh, has knocked out, or, or at least knocked down and tortured uh, uh, Mikkel, um, mm-hmm. uh, played by Daniel Craig. Um, she grabs the gun and then says, with an eagerness in her voice, mm-hmm. "May I kill him?" He's already. He's already done. Like her, her, her point of view is not like glad that's over. Let's get you some help. She is eager. She is champing at the bit to be allowed something that I think she's probably long. She's probably wondered for years what it would be like to murder someone because she's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, to me, that is further proof that this is a movie about a very damaged person a very fucked up person and i don't think that you're supposed to see her as a superhero when she says may i kill him that's it's sick one could make the argument that she has been perpetually victimized in some in one way or the other and even during the course of the film as as long as we're doing spoilers uh she's even emotionally victimized by our hero Mm -hmm. thus showing that even our hero is something of a monster and i will keep using that word and it's one of those things that like but well he's not he's what he is is he's a normal person and people like lisbeth who are not you know uh babblingly insane or obviously mentally deficient Mm. uh get treated like shit all their lives by normal people because they don't understand what's wrong with them and in this and in this instance but not i'm sorry not that in the instance of the film the way in which she is victimized is so brutal i'm specifically talking about the the rapist Mm -hmm. um her uh social worker or whatever it is um she is so horribly brutalized and victimized that I think from the, from the moral standpoint of the film, and I think the, the film takes, takes its moral cues from all of the characters in the world they're living in. And I think it almost has that feel. When I say that she's a, whatever I said, pure spirit or can do no uh-huh. wrong, it, it has that vibe of somebody finally stepping up and saying, no, I will fight against this. And you'll find all kinds of movies that do this kind of thing. That's just because you're seeing you're seeing it from her point of view. And when it's not from her point of view, when it's from Miko's point of view, she is an enigma. She is bizarre and he's weirded out by her and then sometimes turned on by her and that's and then, you know, he kind of he kind of uses her and that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. Right. Um uh I, I don't I I don't think this is uh Watchmen. Uh 
that this movie has a very different tone from Watchmen. Um, it's it's more thoughtful. And I, I am and I just, referencing, by the way, Watchmen, the graphic novel, not the. Well, I'm talking about the, the movie, right? Okay. Um, because the movie, I do think, um, I don't hate it as much as some people hate it do, but it does have that problem of not being as thoughtful as, as the comic book, right? Um, and not really when, <laughs> when like the Watchmen are in Vietnam and killing the Viet Cong, but then also just other regular <laughs> Vietnamese people in the graphic novel. That's horrible. Right. The mo- Zack Snyder, because he is uh, un- apparently unable, uh, uh, unequipped to have a thought that's more than an inch deep, um, presents it as just as badass as everything else. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. Um, he is... Uh, Zack Snyder in Watchmen is not necessarily condoning these murders, but mm-hmm. he is glorifying them. Yes. And I think in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the horror of, um, yes, the rape, and that's why it's a more uh, emotionally and intellectually complex film, Mm. but the horror of the torture that is done in response, and uh, even before she asks if she can kill Stellan Skarsgård, she hits him in the face with, it's almost like a funny games Michael Haneke type moment where uh, it, the movie for a second gives you what you think you want. Like she sneaks up and she saves him. She hits him yeah. in the face and then we see his face and it's fucking It's a very, horrible. it's a very history of violence type movie it, it, uh, yeah. type moment. I'm it, sorry. Yeah. And so to me, that is, th- these things are all clues that the movie is more thoughtful about its violence and about, uh, uh, uh about Lisbeth as a person than you're giving it credit for. And I think a moment ago you said something that made me realize Maybe not realize, but made me think that we are always going to be on two different sides about this because of the way we approach film. And it's not as though you you sit there and have absolutely no interest in character. Any more than I have no interest in uh, formalism or structuralism or whatever it is Mm -hmm. uh, we say. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think... And I'm, and I don't want to make it sound as though you, as a as a formalist, that you hold yourself outside of a film, as as discussed with the Avengers, you can let yourself go just as easily as anybody else. But I do think if if a film is willing to, if it's able to, do or it. able to, yeah, yeah, pick me up as it were, sweep <laughs> me off my feet. <laughs> and the Avengers is a it's a pick me up, and I'm not even joking when I say that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you mentioned. Seeing the film, uh, seeing certain scenes from Lisbeth's point of view. And I think that's the issue is that those I'm, as you know, I'm very much a character person. And so we're seeing it from her point of view. And to a certain extent, maybe I should even applaud David Fincher for being willing to do that and not holding himself uh, back from it. And then in the one moment you're talking about where she asks, may I kill him or, or something? Um, which and that and I do want to note none of what I am saying is a reflection of Rooney Mara. She commits completely to the character, and she should. She should not judge the character with her performance, and I don't think she does. It's a wonderful performance. But anyway, um, when she says to Mikel, "May I kill him?" In that moment, you're right. We are seeing it from Mikel's point of view. Mm-hmm. But he says yes. He's he not says, a great person yeah, either. But what has just been happening to Mikel? Yes, and it's been happening. That's the difference is it's been happening to him 
at the hands of the person she wants to kill. Whereas right. she wants to revisit uh, revenge on uh, – she wants any excuse. Like when she gets – earlier in the movie when she gets uh, gets mugged or gets purse snatched or whatever, mm-hmm. she becomes a fucking animal. She breaks the guy's nose and like unleashes this scream right. in his face. And this is the, going back to the thing you're talking about. A, a film can be – both, like with the line in Watchmen, the uh, I'm not locked in here, blah, blah, blah. Which is maybe one of uh, the best lines ever, by the way. <laughs> it's a pretty cool line. Um, uh, uh, I am capable of feeling both triumphant along with Lisbeth when she breaks that motherfucker's nose and recognizing intellectually that that is an overreaction, like, like Edward Norton curbing the guy in American History X, you know? Uh, I mean, in, in See, a way, he has American. Uh, uh, his name's not American History X. <laughs> um, Edward Norton has uh, reason to defend his home, right? But then he goes way, way overboard. See, I, oddly enough, I think that movie because um, well, he goes to prison in that movie. So uh, yeah, obviously, uh, <laughs> the world in that film is like, hey, I don't think you should have done that. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it's it's interesting. There's a I, I wrote this down as we were talking, and I this is the first character I thought of was, and this is this is not a one hundred percent equivalency, which is uh, Mike Hammer. Uh-huh. Now I've read Mickey Spillane. It was not a pleasant experience. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I have a thing with movies generally, with two exceptions: Batman and Robin and Transformers. Mm-hmm. If I start a movie, I'm going to f- see it through. I don't have that with books, so. Uh, yeah, Kiss Me Deadly is one of the many books that I've started and gone. I'm not, I'm not committing this kind of time. And it's a great movie, by the way. Uh, it's okay. I have some problems with that movie. I have some problems with you. <laughs> um, but uh, wow, really? You don't like Kiss Me Deadly? I, I, th- I, I think we've it. had this conversation. Yeah, we have. We have back in film school when I so I saw it. in yeah. film school. Um, okay, well that's a discussion for another time. But. Um, and it's interesting because because uh, I've read Mickey Spillane and I've seen uh, Kiss Me Deadly and there have been other Mike Hammer films, but I feel like that's the quintessential one. And the example I always give of how unpleasant to read Mickey Spillane can be uh, is early <laughs> early on. I think the the book is called One Lonely Night. Uh, early on, a uh, a girl is being chased down the street in the midst of the city as uh, Mike Hammer's walking along. She's being chased by a communist. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Mike Hammer, well, clearly this girl's in trouble. So he grabs the guy. The guy, like, I think goes to pull a gun on him and he, uh-huh. he disarms him. And then Hammer pulls a gun, puts it in the guy's face. And this is told in first person, by the uh-huh. way. I've gotten off on a tangent, but this is crazy ass shit. Uh-huh. He pulls the gun and he says, I put it in the guy's face. I gave him a moment to realize he was going to die and I pulled the trigger. It's like, <laughs> holy, that's, that's horrendous. But you know what? It's, it's the craziest thing is that uh, I've never watched any interviews with Mickey Spillane and I don't think I want to. Um, but, uh, but to me, it's almost that there, there's – I'd say Mike Hammer is every bit the sociopath, if not straight up psychopath, that – Liz, uh, Lisbeth is. Uh-huh. Um, and when you think about it, like, he's really not doing anything that different than she's doing. I mean, honestly, Mike Hammer could have 
held on to the, the communist, the yeah. pinko, turned to the, the victimized woman and said, may I kill him? She uh-huh. says yes. And he goes, okay, chuckle, blam. Uh-huh. It could, it's really a very similar thing. And in the movie, having not read the – this is, of course, based on a book which is told from first person. Um, that is the vibe that I got from, from the film is that it does say it from her point of view. And I'm start, I think I've talked myself into being okay with that. And this – well, who knows? We can touch on the larger topic, I guess. Yeah, I want to get to some stuff, actually. Okay. Um, um, and so I think – I think it's just one of those things that because the film so thoroughly and is so committed to going f- f- telling the story from her point of view, I think I see it as as a film that is maybe not maybe I don't think it it admires her, but I think it it understands her and and sympathizes with her. Not that it shouldn't sympathize with her, but it sympathizes with how she arrived at certain um, conclusions. And so when I say that she's a pure spirit and that she can do no wrong, I mean that the film, if in the absence of anybody having a moral code, which really they don't, mm-hmm. or they compromise it constantly, the only one that does is her. And for the same, and for the same reason... I don't think she has a moral code. I don't think she has morals or ethics. I, think. I don't think she would ever go after... some. This goes to the Hannibal Lecter thing. I don't think she would ever go after somebody that is uh, innocent. She only goes after but, people that I think, quote unquote, deserve. Okay, it. well now we're going to talk about the end, the very end. Okay, like the last shot I'm talking about, which I may not recall. She's um, is she on a motorcycle. This, she's bought, yeah, she's bought this present okay. for Miko. He told her she was he was busy um, that night. She goes to like I think drop off the present or mm-hmm. something. And sees that he's gone back to his ex or his paramour or whatever uh, Robin Wright <laughs> is, um, and she uh, she gets angry. She throws the thing away, and then me, based on my read of the film, at that point, I am concerned for Miko's well-being because when I mean, you say she wouldn't hurt anyone who hasn't wronged her, but I don't think she knows the difference or bothers with the difference between someone standing up for a date and raping her. I think that's why I'm, that's why I use the uh, the mugging as an example. Uh, any wrong at all, any slight at all, and she is prone to overreact. And oddly enough, I didn't. I do not worry. I I know what you're talking about now. Um, and uh, I remember in the moment not feeling worried for him, but more her saying, "Okay, I was right all along. I I can only depend on myself." Even the hero of the story, which I know she's not thinking in those terms, but mm-hmm. even the hero of the story, I guess there's quotes around hero, I can't even depend on him. Mm-hmm. It's only me. I'm the only one that won't betray me. I'm the only one who is, who is a kind of a straight shooter. I may be possibly insane, but I'm not a liar. And in that way, I brought up The Departed earlier. There is a reason that we understand Jack Nicholson's character because he's acting according to his nature. There's also a reason that we have absolute contempt for Matt Damon because he's a liar. And there's something mm-hmm. about a falseness. There's nothing false but, about her. Uh, you're still treating her like she is aware of the uh, the status quo uh, even as she – flouts it i think i don't 
uh, unlike Jack Nicholson or these other characters you mentioned, they know that what they are doing is considered immoral, but they have their code. Like like Omar, Omar mm-hmm. understands his place in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the difference between Lisbeth is that she's. It, she she can't do that because of her uh, call it Asperger's or autism or or what have you. And I've, I'm not saying that I've known people who are as bad off as Lisbeth, mm-hmm. but I, I I recognize these traits very much. Um, and uh, because of that, she she doesn't even know that she's immoral. She doesn't understand the world. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson understands it in The Departed and goes against it, but still acts according to his nature as you're saying she she doesn't know that she doesn't know that murder is wrong and, and and yes we know but at the same time so what what we've what we've been talking about is a film that when when she's on screen is going from her point of view she is doing things that we consider to be wrong but she doesn't it's not that she doesn't consider them to be wrong she doesn't she doesn't know they're wrong mm-hmm and so, in a way, to go back to my original statement, which I'm not sure if I even stand by anymore, okay. but like, there is a purity there. But it's not- different to have to to have a sense of right and wrong. And and moral code was wrong for me to say. I don't think that's correct. But um, to to know right and wrong and ignore it, than to not know it and just kind of do what you can with it. And I feel like that's, I, I see your point in, in those, in those terms, she maybe does have a pure spirit, but it's not pure in a respectable sense. It's pure in a terrifying sense. She's, she's, she's Charles Whitman, you know, uh, I'm sure Charles Whitman thought he was doing the right thing when he went to the, uh, the, the tower at the university in Texas oh, and started shooting people. Like, uh, I'm sure he was acting out of a burning fire inside. Who did he shoot? A bunch of people. Innocence. Yeah, but uh, probably not from his point of view. Possibly. But because we are allowed to see how she has been victimized and, and we, 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 cor- we well, correlate the yes, that's horrible the, people that she is hurting. Yeah, like that's the thing is – That's the challenge of the film. That's why it is a challenging film because mm-hmm. it is allowing you to step inside the reasoning of a sociopath or a psychopath. It's – it's daring you to empathize with her. And I think it's okay to empathize with her, but still right. understand. I mean, she's not the villain. Right. I think it's okay to empathize with the fact that she sees all these people. She sees her victimizers in the face of any, anyone that uh, slights her in, in the in the least. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to understand that but still and still not condone it. And I don't think the film does, and I don't think the film asks us to. And, you know, it's interesting because – I do want to move on. Yeah. I did not know – I did not know that your your take on the on the ending was so different than mine, and I think a lot of what we think of the overall film, and we've talked in the past that even though I'm not sure if both of us agree with it, but the idea of a film is about how it ends, and if you take from that ending that Mikkel is possibly in danger, and I take it that she w- she's been right the whole time, she opened her heart and was betrayed and so now it's time for me to run again and basically all her worst suspicions about humanity confirmed like if we like those are two separate uh right 
Like I take it as she has been philosophically affirmed and you take it as she's – and she's going to – that's going to translate into action. And so on a character that we for the most part like, which is Mikkel, even though we don't like what he has now done. Yeah, I don't her. actually love Mikkel. Uh, well, we don't much. love him, but – I don't know that I like him that much. I think he's uh, – uh, I think he's arrogant. Right. Um, I don't like uh, – Maybe I like Lisbeth more than more than Mikael. I don't really like anyone in the movie. Right. It's there's not a lot of love. I, I Maybe Joey Richardson. Yeah, I don't mind Christopher Plummer in the film. Uh, yeah, he's a seems like a good guy All who right. hates his family. <clears throat> um, let's move on. Okay. I felt like there was something else I was gonna. Oh, I was just gonna say that uh, I'm realizing that if it weren't for everything from when Mikael goes into Stellan Skarsgård's house until. Lisbeth is buying the jacket. All that bullshit at the end that I hated. I would actually really like this movie. Yeah, that does feel like a little uh, tip of the hat to like people that have read I guess, all yeah. of the books. Because Jen says like, "Oh, that's something from this," oh, okay. and it's just and that's there's. I think we once did an, uh, a, an episode that might not be available anymore about uh, adaptations. Okay, and uh, we should probably do it again because, especially lately, what with like Hunger Games, Harry Potter, this like mm-hmm. when when successful novels are so quickly adapted into films and thus the filmmakers feel like they have to please the people who read the book and the people who haven't like yeah well if that's a recipe for failure speaking of hunger games i want to move into hunger games there won't be any real spoilers and something else and i want to tell you tyler that i am like nervous what i'm about to say because i'm afraid it will get your ire up but i do want this to be a topic that we talk about because it's it's important. I think I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, now uh, again, without spoilers, um, our disagreement on the Hunger Games, um, which you can see some of on our video uh, podcast, which some you can of. totally watch. Uh, but yeah, there's a much deeper argument here. Um, there was a um, there's a part I, I went and saw it opening weekend. And there's a part where it, within the games there are there are villains. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from Katniss's point of view, they're villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and there's a part where one of them gets killed by having his or her head smashed repeatedly against the wall, like brains bashed in. Oh, essentially. got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then that person from me with that his or her thing. <laughs> and then that person falls to the ground. It's a close up of their like uh, dead face or whatever. And the audience, or not all of them, but some people in the in the audience cheered at that moment. Really, and I was, I like, it shocked me. Like I was aghast. I looked at my girlfriend. And she was like, "What uh, is going on?" <laughs> but you seem to th- like your point of view was that that's kind of what the film. It, oddly enough, in that moment, that's when I agree with you. <laughs> okay, but uh, like you, you did have a problem with the villainization of kids within the game who are only a few degrees removed from Katniss themselves, who are victims themselves. Yes. Um. Uh, so I want to lay that out. I also want to go back a few years, and I'm going to spoil one scene that's toward the beginning of a movie that you've probably seen, you at home probably seen, Inglorious Bastards. Okay. When we are first introduced to the Bastards, and the Bear Jew in particular, mm. he has a scene where he has a, a brief um, but somewhat touching conversation with a German officer before, uh, again, bashing his fucking brains in. A lot of brain bashing going on <laughs> in this episode. Um, 
and you were troubled by that scene. You, I was. You, you thought it was. Um, I've since made my peace with that scene, by the way. But at the uh, time, yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, I mean, if I can try and sum up your your point of view, it's that this person, this German, clearly makes the case that he's uh, clearly presented as uh, not pure evil, and yet we're expected to still uh, cheer, I guess, for the bastards after they brutalized this person who is a soldier like they are, right? That was pretty much your, that, that was my point. concern at the time. Okay. So what I want to get into in this back, uh, maybe uh, not half, because we have we have a hard out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there is uh, there have been numerous studies, and there's sort of a accepted point of view that uh, conservatives are more comfortable with moral with, with tend toward moral absolutes, and liberals mm-hmm. tend toward moral grays. Okay, yeah. Is, is your conservative view of the world what keeps you from being comfortable? With these Dragon Tattoo or Hunger Games or Unglorious Bastards, the, the these portrayals of people who are both good and bad at the same time. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, because I've I don't get me wrong. I've had that thought. Um, because as we've discussed, being a conservative Christian, I am. It is demanded of me that I uh, constantly check myself for bias. Um, <laughs> but uh, and also that's the thing is. And it's odd that you bring that these... that wouldn't be biased. That would be a legitimate point of view. It would just be your worldview. <laughs> well, it would be a worldview that, based on the survey so far, most of our listeners would not agree with. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> prove me wrong. Go and take that survey. Uh, but uh, it's odd that you bring up the two, the two uh, examples that you did. Because mm-hmm. how I eventually got to a point... Um, with Inglorious Bastards, where I was okay with it, where where that, I, as I said, I made that piece, my piece with that scene, was that I embraced the idea that's like it's from their point of view, and in their point of view, this man is the enemy. He mm-hmm. would have killed them, it, and it's almost necessary to see him as not a person if you're going to do well in the, war. To me, the fact that Tarantino gave the German officer those lines is him stepping out of the film just for a yeah. second to turn to the audience and say, "Look." I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Like, there's a point I'm making here, and then yeah. going back into it. If you, if you switch it around, as I, as I did, and as you recall, I went from thinking, like, having my problems with that movie to saying it's one of the ten best movies of, of uh, the last ten years. Right. Um, by switching it around, by changing the perspective and recognizing that it's from the point of view of the bastards, and that they will take a great deal of joy in this... Suddenly, there's a great deal of humanity in giving that character the lines that he has, mm-hmm. and uh, and it gives us a brief glimpse in which we can even maybe even judge the bastards a little bit. Okay, so your difference and where we disagree then mm-hmm. between Inglorious Bastards and Hunger Games is that those moments that the German officer has mm-hmm. uh, of humanity, mm-hmm. you don't think there are those exist for the villain the the career tributes in the Hunger Games. I think that there is an inconsistency that either because the book is told from the first uh, first person, right? Yeah. Katniss. Well, we're talking about the movie. I know, but okay. it's worth noting. The movie could have gone totally objective, which it does in certain places. We're able to, we see things that are happening outside the game and that allows us to see who the real villains are, which is the government. Mm 
Um, that's not a spoiler, right? <laughs> that's okay. Um, but uh, I suddenly forgot that we're not doing spoilers for that. Um, so we're able to see who the real perpetrators are here. And perhaps that's a good thing. Not perhaps. That, that is a good thing that we see that. Um, but that objectivity is lost when it comes to the games themselves. And then it becomes very much from her point of view. And part of me feels like maybe – and. Part of me feels like it would have been a bolder choice if they just had it, her point of view, in the games the whole time and let let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, then I, I'd be okay with I the think, villains being in the game being totally villains. I think Gary Ross made the choice to make him – like it – the movie and the book have all the same ingredients, just in different proportions. Mm-hmm. Whereas the book is, as you say, uh, all from her point of view and is much more a character study. It's a character study of someone living under a repressive, tyrannical government. Right. Um, but it's a character study first and foremost. Whereas the movie that Gary Ross made is more overtly political. And that's why he included those those points of view. So that's that's I, that's why I'm okay with with going back and forth in subjectivity mm. you know um it's like the same thing i said with dragon tattoo not every scene is from Lisbeth's point of view we don't even meet her until right 15 minutes into the movie 20 maybe i, I can't probably remember. probably about that yeah um uh so i i'm okay with switching back and forth but the moment what we'll call the german officer moment oh, yes okay uh, exists for um again these aren't spoilers there are numerous career tributes and uh, at least some of them die. I'm not gonna, that's, not, that's not a spoiler. But in every moment when one of the villainous... So you're telling me they're not able to work out their differences. <laughs> right. In the arena, no. Um, uh, in every moment when one of these villains dies, in the moment of death, at the moment of death, now sure, they don't get a line, they don't have Quentin Tarantino writing for them, they don't get a, to spe- they don't get right. a speech before they die, but in one way or another, they become children again you suddenly are forced to in my at least i felt forced to recognize that these aren't just villains they're kids just like katniss mm-hmm. you, you know um i mean uh, again okay <laughs> we said no spoilers for hunter games um the first one of these career tribute deaths in uh, i'll be very vague is um uh, <laughs> Tyler is making a gesture to signify that he knows which death I'm talking about. Is that the one? That's that's okay. the one I'm talking about. Where um, <laughs> basically a woman is, uh, or a young woman, a, a, I shouldn't say woman, a kid, uh, a girl, is beset by animals of some sort. Sure. Uh, now this is through other characters doing, mm-hmm. so it is still a killing. Right. Uh, but this woman who was, or again, this girl who was just moments ago in the previous scene sneering about killing our our, our villain and, 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 and strutting and being very villainous. Mm-hmm. Uh, not our killing villain, our, our hero, hero is what yeah. I meant to say. Okay. Yeah, being very villainous uh, is uh, just screaming her head off in great pain. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, if you have a heart, it, it can't help but be in a sympathetic empathetic even moment mm-hmm. uh and disturbing the it's it's like the uh the guy who gets killed by the ed 209 early in robocop in the mm-hmm. director's cut 
you know, in have you seen the director's cut of RoboCop? Uh, I think you have. I think yes. I have. Yeah, yes. where that killing goes on like yes, goes on. <laughs> fifteen more minutes, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because in the movie, it's like kind of like shocking, or in the the theatrical cut, it's yeah. like shocking. Like, oh my god, that two and nine killed him. In the director's cut, it just keeps filling him full of bullets forever, and it sort of becomes horrifying, and then it becomes funny. But it is. Uh, again, it's more than just horror, or than just shocking. It is horrifying, mm-hmm. and then yes, it goes on to be funny. But uh, um, Hunger Games not funny. Um, no. Really, that might be one of the few problems I have with the movie. I liked it, but not it is jokes. rather humorless. Uh, Stanley Tucci brings yeah. the comedy actually. Yeah. Uh, anytime it starts with him on stage, sitting in the dark, and the lights come up, and he turns his head and flashes that big that grin. That giant shit-eating I, grin. Yeah, I laughed. It happens like two or three times in the movie, and I laughed every time. Um, yeah, I guess there shouldn't be a lot of jokes in the games themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I'm saying is, again, I, I'm just, I, I pretty much made my, made my point. When when these characters die, characters die, I use that one as an example, they do have that German officer moment of, of humanity. But think how exciting it would be if if uh, gary ross used you know the the process of katniss being chosen her being put on the train seeing all the stuff leading up to the games which is it's all basically from her point of view at that point anyway so using that to establish the world and then she goes into the games and the world is gone. The only world that matters now is the games. It's totally from her point of view. And these villains are, at, you know, it doesn't matter that there are other kids. They're trying to kill me and they seem to take a certain degree of joy in it. So they're villains, uh-huh. which I find much more acceptable because it's totally subjective. But then imagine they're killed and we are allowed a brief moment of, oh, shit. Because they're no longer a threat. They are now just it's just a dead kid in front of me. And like you could, there's a way to comment on what's going on, even in the midst of a subjective film. And to me, it's, and I recognize that from a, a certain standpoint, the film has to be kind of a, uh, not a crowd pleaser, but it's supposed to, uh, you know, appeal to a larger audience. And this approach is a bit more, I'd say hardcore sci-fi, like almost like, uh, the running man it's not a good movie but like it's- we're going back to what i said it can be both you can feel the triumph of the character and still feel i can feel for more than one character at a time and i can as well but it's her movie i mean and, with, and i'm saying these girl with the dragon getting- tattoo has two main characters uh-huh. and even one of them is one of the like Mikel is more the actual main character yeah when you i mean if you go strictly from the point of view of like an arc mm-hmm. Lisbeth is more supporting really yeah um um, but this thing you're talking about at the moment, I think it's there. I just think it's, it's, it's brief, but it's, uh, I just think it would have been more effective for me if they, if it had just stuck with totally subjective, I think it would have worked more, but like, cause part of me is like, well, if you're going to go objective, cause now it looks like you're objectively saying, and I don't, and I, and I'll, 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 go back to the uh, conservatism black and white thing in a moment because I didn't address it and I need to. But um, uh, I recognize that a film can be gray and can can shift in perspective, but it... Uh, what? I'm just thinking about... I use the term moral absolutes, mm-hmm. which is not a, a derogatory term. You say black and white. You're the one who ends up applying a derogatory term. No, no, no. I mean black and white in, in terms of 
Is it subjective or objective? That's okay. what I mean. I is, bet you meant in good or evil. No, no, no. I mean, I mean in terms of uh, uh, perspective. Um, so I recognize that it doesn't have to be her point of view or, uh, you know, third person I, omniscient. I, yeah. Uh, but the the danger with that is that it's hard to it, it can be difficult to know. Excuse me. It can be difficult to know. Uh, and you know what? And maybe maybe in saying this, I'm underestimating the audience. It's entirely possible I am, which is something I can do from time to time. Not not can do like I'm allowed to. I mean, it's you have a tendency. I have a tendency to do that, and that is that's on me. But um. You know, the idea of, of – I don't know. Like when you're switching from subjective to objective and then you show that these other kids are villains, is that the objective view or is that the subjective view? And that's why I like that moment so much at the, the, um, the German officer moment uh-huh. as, as we're calling it. That's why I like that so much is because that's – it's in moments like that that the two merge and it works out. Real and and you and she starts to see things in an objective way. And if it had gone straight subjective, and only when the villains die is she able to step outside herself and be objective, then we would really take we would take our cues very much from her. And I think it would have even more impact. Well, we than never it does. we never see, see her celebrating, and she's not she's not like wisecracking like James Bond after she puts an arrow through someone, you know, uh, she and, doesn't like what she's there to do. And oddly enough, I will actually, uh, this will make me, uh, I'll be able to okay. transition into this other thing. Um, because the idea of moral absolutes and my, uh, my own conservatism, as we have discussed on the show before, there are plenty of characters that I like the morally gray aspect. And in fact, with Katniss, I would have liked more, Moral grayness. Um, Grayitude. Specifically, like, I would have liked to see her get wrapped up in the game a little bit and actually celebrate just a little bit when she has killed someone who's trying to kill her. Even if the – not take – not being gleeful about it, but, you know, just starting to lose a little bit of herself in the game. Like, as of right now, like, she's pretty spotless. Like, when you think – all of the deaths that she is responsible for are all pretty okay. One of them is unintended, one of them is instinctive, and one of them is – I won't say what the last one is because that's, that's a bit of a spoiler. You know what I mean? Like, it's, Which one is unintended? So I think you're doing the same signal again. I think she knew what she was doing. <laughs> uh, but the, the, it, was a, it was out of necessity. Yeah. And she couldn't have known that that was absolutely what was going to happen. Okay. She's not dumb, though. She's not dumb. It's a possibility. But it wasn't, it wasn't completely intended. What was intended was, I need to get these people away from me so that I can get away. And so, you know, that's a character that is black and white, pretty much 100% good and self-sacrificing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, like, maybe have just a little bit. I guarantee, like, you and I, like, we, both of us have a pretty strong moral code. You put us in that, you put us in that situation, if we kill someone that's trying to kill us and we've never killed anybody and we don't really think we have it in us, but this person was trying to kill us and then we suddenly ki- – and then we kill them and we mm-hmm. s- defend ourselves, we will have a moment of fuck yeah. I don't know. I, and I feel like the film sh- – I feel like she should have hey, had I that. Think I totally have it in me to kill someone. 
Oh, no, there's no question oh, I could I've, kill someone. Yeah. But I never have, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, there's but, been times I, like Lee's Beth, been waiting for a train. I'd be like, just someone... I dare someone try and try and mug me right now. Oh yeah, I dare someone. Oh no, I have. Uh, I, I'm always planning. It's just like I've always, I would end up getting killed. Probably. There's no question about but it. But there are times when I'm in a mood where it's like, oh, just try something, world. Yeah, like I've got my pen. It's just like, could I stab someone in the neck with this pen if they came after me? I think I could. Um, but uh, uh, is it okay? We're five years in from. Uh, uh, not the show, although that too. Um, Eastern Promises. Uh-huh. That we can spoil that, right? Okay, I think so. I mean, let's say we're going to. Okay, spoilers, spoilers, for, Eastern spoilers for Eastern Promises. You may recall that my big problem with that film was that a character who previously was morally ambiguous is suddenly totally okay, right? And uh, that, and yet, I I disagreed that that reveal made him okay. I think he's still a morally ambiguous person. He's morally ambiguous, but in a, on the side of the angels, as opposed to a uh, you know somebody needing redemption. It's now a good person who is who runs the risk of like going allowing going in too that deep. To go, getting in too deep. Absolutely, <laughs> deep cover. Um, but uh, so that was you know I like morally ambiguous characters. I, I really – because I think we all are that. Some of my favorite films are character – you know, Citizen Kane for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I knew you did. I just wanted to bring that up as a topic of conversation. Okay. The, uh, the worldview thing and the idea that liberals are moral relativists. Which, I suppose so. I only kind of recently realized that when people say moral relativism, they mean it in a bad way. Like, yeah, I think so. But like, it, it's not a completely awful way to go around, go about thinking of things. Not necessarily. Hold everyone but, to the same standards. But I time. would venture to say that, uh, and don't. Uh, there are so, like, like murder's always wrong. It's like I'd say that's about right. But then someone says killing's always wrong. It's like, well, there's self defense. Uh-huh. You know, it's a different, a different thing. But uh, right, and there's war. Uh, yeah, there's I have my own talking on your cell phone in the movie theater. Uh, we'll, you can hear our review of, uh, God bless America in a few weeks, <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I if I can oh, get you, on, you can watch our review. of. Oh, indeed. Yes. Absolutely. You can listen if you want uh, <laughs> yeah. while you're doing other things, but you can watch us as well. Good video quality. But, um, I would say from the, from the, if I, if I'm going to get uh, very Christian about it, the thing about moral relativism is I would say as it happens, And this is this is the cynic in me. Uh-huh. Chances are you're more relativistic when it comes to what you have done as opposed to what other people do. I think I'm relativistic about all of it. Uh, good for you. <laughs> Not really. But I, I do think that it's it's one of those things that like uh, I've I've come to whether it be uh, you know spiritually, philosophically, uh, politically, I've come to realize, and this is something that because I have gone from conservative to moderate to even a little bit liberal back to conservative politically i've i like to think that i that i don't demonize any worldview because i can see how somebody got there mm-hmm. um but it is interesting that like when people because on facebook you know and twitter like people are putting stuff out there all the time and then part of me is like huh interesting that the person that like the uh that the evil people, the people that you think are that, – that you say are absolutely terrible, 
odd that they're always that they never agree with you. <laughs> that is a strange coincidence. Yeah. And 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 there there's there's a subjectivity that I think uh, can be problematic at times. Yeah. All right. I think this has been a great episode. I'm I think really, so too. Really I, happy I, with I, it. I I think the listeners. Uh, Will enjoy it, and I think they'll probably side. Those with who you. have seen the, the they will probably dragon side tattoo. with you, uh, based <laughs> on the survey. There is a question in there about girl with the dragon tattoo, right? Um, so, uh, thanks everyone uh, for 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 tuning in, as it were. Uh, you can, as always, find our weekly movie and or daily really movie and home video reviews at battleshippretension.com where you can also listen to the podcast you can find it in itunes Go ahead. and uh we do have uh we mentioned the avengers we do have a couple of reviews yeah, on I'm there excited about this uh one by david and one by me because we had another disagreement you and i've been i don't know if it's because i've been in a bad mood lately but we've been disagreeing i think we're five years in and i yeah. think we are reaching our breaking point <laughs> uh but we had a disagreement about whether or not as a critic, we had the responsibility to think of the Avengers in the context of the five Marvel Studios films that led up to it, mm-hmm. or if it was its own new franchise and the start of a new franchise, and that it should be judged largely outside of that context. So we had that disagreement over the phone, and our solution was that we would both go to the press screening and both write reviews from our own points of view. Right. I'm really happy we did it. I think the results are great. I'm very yeah. very happy with both reviews. Uh, I'm actually happy with the, with the review I wrote, which happens maybe one out of every 18 reviews. I, I'm not thrilled with the <laughs> review I wrote because, I, you know what, because I was too positive. I, I've, even though I, I venture to say I love the movie, like I was like, people are going to read this and they're going to think that I've been paid off. Like <laughs> it, it's, so, it's so hyperbolic. I, 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 I made sure to say some negative things. And I have... To go back to all the way to the very beginning of the podcast, there are more negative things about it that I could have said, and also more positive things. Right. I left some stuff out. I talked, I talked about the performances, not at all in my in my review. Hmm. That was one of the the, the the performances are great. I just couldn't find room for it. Yeah. I also didn't talk about the negatives, such as. Sometimes I wasn't clear and wasn't entirely sure if the movie was clear which characters have superpowers and which don't, <laughs> you know. And also the fact that this film went further, did better than uh, other representations I've seen. But uh, the Hulk as a character has always just been inherently unsatisfying to me. Uh, and I, I think this is the best portrayal we've seen of him, maybe outside of the comics. I haven't read many of them. But I you say that having not seen the 2008 uh, Louis Leterrier, right? Leterrier, yeah, you're right, yeah, Louis Leterrier, yeah. But um, I do think this is the best one, okay. having seen all of them. But uh, yeah, so those are some problems with the movies I, movie that I didn't mention. Mm-hmm. But still, the reviews are there. I talked about some negative stuff up top at the top of the review, yeah. and then I went into full, you know, praise mode. So the reviews are meant to be read together yeah 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 so you read his and then read mine and then decide which one you uh, agree with more it will be him i don't know why you're so sure of that they're both positive reviews and i like that we argued for an hour and a half well no we spent about 50 minutes to an hour arguing about the girl the dragon tattoo a movie neither of us recommends (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know you've really arrived (laughs) is when you can talk about it's just like it's like you're defending it. I'm I'm slamming it, and it's like, well, no, don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> all right. Um, so that's a. Uh, you can find all that stuff at battleshippretension.com. You can uh, 
uh, email us, uh, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at ThePretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com or in iTunes. So... Yes. Uh, well, this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And of course, you are welcome to email us uh, with your opinions. I'm sure you have them. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.